than me. And I'm going to get, if you are on the youth committee, be expecting a call, or youth and children's committee, or youth and children's council, expect a call from me this week. I don't know what I'm going to do, but we are going to do some kind of big bang back into Wednesday nights. I'm excited. I've been missing it. And we need to encourage these young people to come on Wednesday nights because we're not going to be having pickup because school's still not going to be going on above fourth grade on Wednesday night. So we won't be having pickup and things like that. So we're going to find a way to encourage these, these young people to come to church on Wednesday nights. That's it for me. I invite you to turn your hearts toward God and uh, just focus on worship this morning. Can I just say thank you, church, for allowing us to change up the schedule a little bit this morning? Um, we are not so ruled by what's putting on paper, but we are willing to adjust to whatever happens for the glory of God. And we have gathered together today to worship Him. And that's what we're going to do. So as we continue, please, as Chad said, turn our hearts to God and join me in prayer as we set our hearts to worship our risen Savior. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we come before You praising You for being who You are. Dear Lord, you can never change your character. You can never stop being God. And dear Lord, you loved us so much that even when we were your enemies, you laid down your life for us. From the very, you wanted that relationship with us. And even when we rejected you, you kept after us. And dear Lord, now our hearts long for you. And we praise you this morning. Dear Lord, there are so many things going on in our world trying to change our focus. Even this morning, dear Lord, the computer started updating and wasn't finished when it came time to start the service. But dear Lord, there is a purpose for that. You've allowed that to happen for a reason. And dear Lord, whatever that reason is, we will do everything possible to make sure that we are obedient to Your will. Dear Lord, I thank You for those that have been nominated to serve as deacons. And I pray right now for Jim Humphreys and Jim Kinder and Robbie Mullinax and, and Ricky Beck, dear Lord. And I pray for their families as they have agreed to serve You and to serve Your church. Dear Lord, I ask You that, that as a church that we earnestly seek Your will in this matter. That over the next two weeks, we pray that you would guide and direct us so that we may choose the men that you would have serve us right now. Dear Lord, I thank you for David Lee and for Terry Pendleton agreeing to, to further their service during this pandemic, dear Lord. 
that they gave of their time, their energy to continue to serve the church, even though they were supposed to have rotated off. I thank you for them, dear Lord. And dear Lord, I ask that as we are changing the way we do things, that we would never, ever change the message of hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, it breaks my heart when I see pastors preaching that the Bible is not your word. It breaks my heart when I see people accepting that fact. And dear Lord, I ask you right now that you give us the strength and the courage and the faith to stand on your undying word, the Holy Bible. It is the basis of which we believe. And dear Lord, I pray that we will be the church that you've called us to be, that we will proclaim the truth no matter where we are, but we will do it in love. And dear Lord, as we have all gathered together today, I would ask you that you take all the distractions to allow us to focus solely on you this morning, that we may worship you, that we would hear from you, and that when we leave this place, we can say that we've truly been in the presence of God, that we will not leave this place today the same way we came in. Dear Lord, you want to do something great this morning. I ask that your spirit move among your people and that we're obedient and receptive to your word. And I ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. On a daily basis, we realize how weak we are as humans and how strong God is. And the sooner we learn to turn everything over to Him, the faster we will realize how great our God is. Let us stand as we sing page 448, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. We'll sing the first and the second verses, 448.
me again. Uh, I brought a guest with me today, so hold on just a second. I mean, I've got my Bible verse marked. Let me get my guest out here. Hold on. I picked this name because I didn't think there was anybody in here named this, but then there is somebody named John here today. But this is John Q. Christian, and... Um, he is a pretty good fella. He serves God. But he has some problems, just like all of us. He likes to think that he's always right. And that kind of causes him a little issue sometimes. And as he gets bigger, and as that causes him an issue, things get distorted. And uh, he also likes to boast and brag about his success he works at a circus he's made a lot of money in life so he and he likes to think that he did that all on his own <laughs> so and uh joanne she's she's reading the future over here she's sticking her fingers in her ears he is getting all puffed up and as john gets puffed up he gets in danger of something happening and you might want to stick your fingers in your ear i'm gonna he get, as he gets all puffed up, as he gets all puffed up, he gets in danger of being deflated. And I want to point out that we can all be like John Q. Christian at times. We can all get puffed up at times. I want to read Luke chapter 14, verse 11. It says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It is easy for us to puff ourselves up and think that even as a young kid or as a youth or even as an adult, we like to think that we're in charge of things. We're running things. It's our decisions, our hard work that's making the wheels and the cogs turn. But it's God who is pulling all the strings in our life. And if we're not careful, we can end up like John Q. Christian. And you can't even, and if you saw him now, you wouldn't even recognize him as John Q. Christian. You wouldn't see Christ in his life. So we have to be careful not to get puffed up so people can see Christ working in us, not us trying to do ourselves on our own. And that's not just a message for the kids or the youth. That's a message for everybody in here, even myself. Let's go to the Lord and uh, have a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love. Lord, give us the wisdom to be humble and help us to remember that you are in charge of everything. And without you, Lord, we would be nothing. And I just thank you for your love. And I thank you for your son who died on the cross for our sins. We're going to talk about this deeper. 
as we go out with the kids. If you want to line up, we're going to go out to the nursery. So. Suppose God searched through heaven, he couldn't find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice that was needed that would buy eternal.
I had to move that stuff because I like to move around. Gentlemen, thank you so much for that song. That, tell you what, if it wasn't for Jesus, none of us would be here. We'd be on a golf course or we'd be recovering from a fun night last night or something. But you know what? I can honestly say I've had more fun as a Christian than I ever did before I came to know Jesus. Different type of fun, but I can remember every bit of it. And that is the great thing, that there is nothing that we have to be ashamed about in knowing Christ. I have never heard anybody from a teenager to somebody laying on their deathbed ever tell me, I wish I never accepted Christ. I've never heard them say that. What I have heard is that I wish I hadn't taken so long to accept Christ. That's what I hear. But today, I want us to look at four qualifications of a deacon. We're getting ready. We've already nominated four men to serve as deacons in our church. Out of those four men, we've got to select two. Two will serve as deacon. Two will serve as alternates. But I want us to look at at Scripture at four qualifications of who God wants to serve as a deacon. And I want us to look at what Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 of the qualifications for overseers and deacons. So if you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at the first 13 verses. That's going to be our, our, our main text for today. So if you'd turn there and if you'd stand as I read this, if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen as well as on, online. So here's what Paul writes to the young preacher Timothy. It is a trustworthy saying or statement. If any man aspires to be an office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be of above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnaciousness, but gentle, unconscientious, free from the love of money. He must be a one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God and not a, con- a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the con- condemnation incurred by the devil? And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil." Now, you may think we're talking about a pastor here. Yes, we are. But look at this next verse as far as the, the characteristics of the deacon or what we need to look for in the deacon. Deacons likewise. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sword gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, if they are beyond reproach. 
Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you right now, glorifying your name. We thank you for Mount Calvary and we thank you for Jesus Christ because we would be lost without him. And dear Lord, as I bring this message that you have given me, help us to understand exactly what we need in a deacon so that we may fully know your will in this decision. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. One thing I want us to understand is that whoever is chosen to serve in the church, whether it be a, a teacher, a committee member, a, uh, a deacon, they are servant leaders. They are being chosen to serve and lead the church. So what exactly is a servant leader? A servant leader focuses primarily on the growth and well-being of people and the communities to which they belong. In other words, that we need to look at deacons not necessarily as those that yield power over us, but those whose job it is to guide and protect and serve us. A deacon's primary focus in the church is not to to mandate things, but it is to guide and direct and to serve and love those that have chosen him to lead. A servant leader. Following the example of Christ. Christ, when he was talking with his disciples, bent down and washed their feet. The job of a servant in fact, Peter said, no, don't wash me. And he says, unless I wash you, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said, well, don't just wash my feet. Start at my head and work your way down. Is basically what Peter told him. Wash all of me. But we are to follow that example. To be a servant leader. And within these 13 verses, Paul lists all kinds of qualifications for deacons and pastors and those to, be, to serve the church. But we can really narrow those down to four. And the first one is commitment. A deacon needs to be committed. They have to have commitment. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. A deacon should be clearly committed to Jesus Christ as his Savior. That is the pro a problem that we have, is that a lot of times in churches, leaders are, are picked because one, they're available. Two, there's nobody else. We need to be willing to, to, to look for people that are first committed to Jesus Christ. And I hate to break it to you, but not everybody that attends church knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is a 
statistical fact. I was living proof of that. I attended my church my whole life. But I did not accept Christ as my personal Savior until I was 21, 22 years old. I was there all the time. But I had not got Jesus from here to Jesus to here. The person that serves as deacon must be committed to Jesus Christ as their Savior. It has to be evident in their life. A deacon should have a passion to know Jesus and all His fullness. What do I mean by that? What's the difference between having a passion to know Jesus and knowing Jesus as your Savior? There should be a fire in the belly of a deacon. A fire to know more and more about Jesus Christ. You remember that moment that you accepted Christ as your Savior? My personal experience is this. The the Monday morning after I accepted Christ as my Savior, I started reading my Bible. I started listening to Christian music on the radio. I drove to college class from Keystone Heights, Florida to Gainesville, Florida, the Santa Fe Community College listening to Christian music the whole time and singing louder than I could sing. And I wanted to know more and more about Jesus. I wanted to know more. There was a passion. And remember what it felt like the moment you accepted Jesus Christ. There was a weight lifted off your shoulders. The weight of the world was taken off of you. The weight of your sin was taken off of you. And you wanted to know everything there was about it. I remember when I first met Ginger. I thought she was the biggest snob I'd ever met in my life. She had just came off a... a, a lock-in with the BSU at Carson Newman. I was there in the cafeteria on that Sunday morning. Here she comes, not having slept for over 24 hours. And I met her, and I didn't want to have anything to do with her. She doesn't remember that part. But then I met her again. In my aunt's office, my aunt worked there at Carson Newman, and she came in with her friend who happened to be working as a student assistant in that office, and I met her again. She doesn't really, I don't know if she remembers that part or not. But that's when I started taking notice of her. And I said, I want to get to know her a little bit better. That was in January. By spring break, I was head over heels in love with that girl. I had told my friends, that's the girl I'm going to marry. I want to date her. I said, pray about it with me. And we'd get together and we'd pray about all these girls that, that me and my friends wanted to date. We prayed about it, that if it was the one that God wanted. So by the time 
And I know that sounds weird to, to any of you teenagers out there, but let me tell you something. I tried it my way. It didn't work. So I wanted to do it God's way. But while we were praying, I had this passion to know more and more about her. And so when I finally was able to ask her out, I was head over heels in love with her. And in fact, our first date, we sat there in the, the main hall at Carson Newman on top of the hill, sat on those big marble steps between those big marble pillars. And I told her, I said, I love you. And her eyes got about this big. She looked at me like I was the biggest freak. She goes, I can't say that. And I was able to look at her and I said, you do, you just don't know it yet because me and God's already got this worked out. And that's exactly what I told her. Why she ever agreed to a second date, I have no idea other than it being God. But I had a passion to know more about her. That same passion is what we should have for Jesus Christ. And a deacon should demonstrate that he's got a fire in his belly to know everything that there is to know about Jesus Christ and not be satisfied with what he got, but always wanting to know more about his Savior. That is the passion that we should have. Second thing that we need to look for in a deacon is conviction. They must be a man of conviction. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know that what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. They should be men of conviction. A deacon should have biblically informed convictions. I prayed this morning that it broke my heart to see preachers preaching falsehoods about the Word of God. Preaching falsehoods about what it means to be a Christian. And that is going on. A deacon should have a strong and knowledgeable conviction about the Word of God, about what it takes to be a Christian, what it means to serve God, what is right, what is wrong, and based on the Bible. Church, we don't need deacons that don't have convictions that everything is okay. But they need to be biblical convictions. Not just personal preferences, but convictions that are based on the Word of God and according to His will. A deacon should also be learning what it means to be transformed by the renewing of their body. You know, I always talk about Romans 12 too. Be there transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to have deacons that are going through that transformation. That understand what it means to be transformed. Listen, the moment we accept Christ as our Savior, we are no longer the same person. You are immediately different. You are born again. And that transformational process of the Holy Spirit starts taking place in your, in your life. And you are being created into something else. You are being made into the image of Christ. And that's a transformation process that does not come complete until you are standing face to face with your Savior. 
Paul says, my salvation will be made complete. And it's that transformation that the Holy Spirit is doing in your lives. And a deacon needs to understand that and needs to understand that they are being changed daily. That the best they're going to be has not yet happened. But it is not because of anything that we do, but it's all because of what Jesus and the Holy Spirit does in us. And then a deacon must have competency. They must be competent. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. A deacon should know how to make their way through Scripture. I'll be honest with you, I always don't remember the references. I forget those sometimes. And it's okay to forget those, as long as you know where to go to find it. You need to know how to go through the Bible, and the deacon needs to know how to go through the Bible, because as a servant leader, people are going to come to you with things. And a deacon needs to know how to go to the Bible to find what they need to give the right information. And they have to be competent in that. They have to be competent in in so many different things. But it's all based on Scripture. If a deacon can't talk to people or share their faith with people, there's an issue Deacon needs to be able to do that. They need to be competent. And then fourthly, is character. The deacon must be a man of character. 1 Timothy 6.11 But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. A deacon should take on the character of Christ. And a deacon should have the necessary relational skills for this position. They should be a man of character. They should be known, it says, to have a good reputation outside of the church. They should have those relationship skills where they can go and talk to people. People can come to them. They don't have to be friends with everybody, but they have to be approachable. Okay? And a deacon's relationships must be manifest the integrity and love of Jesus, especially in their marriage and with their children. If a deacon can't maintain the correct relationship with his family, how in the world is he going to be able to maintain the right relationships with the people of God? I'm going to tell you something. I'll be dead honest with you. There are times that my family drives me totally insane. But there's also times that people in the church drive me totally insane. 
And I am sure there are times that I drive you totally off your chain. Because I know I do it to my wife. I was talking to Faith the other day and asked her, I said, do you ever doubt that me and your mom love each other? She says, no. I said, what about when we get in an argument? She goes, no. She said, one time I didn't know if you were going to get through it, but you did. Why? Because we made a commitment to each other. To love each other in good times and bad for richer and poorer. We have not got to that richer part yet, but we're doing okay. We're, we're making it through the poorer part. Six kids will break you, let me tell you. Okay? But we made that commitment to love each other. And church, let me tell you this. When we join together in membership of a church, we're making that same commitment to love and support each other through good times and bad. That's exactly what you're doing. When somebody comes down and says, I want to join this church, and we, we say we're going to accept them into fellowship of this church, that's what we're doing. We're making a commitment to love. That means warts and all. Good times and bad. Yes, we're going to drive each other crazy. A deacon can't get mad and throw up his hands and say, I give up, I'm walking out, I'm done. They have to have the character to understand that and to, to display that love through everything. This election that we're having right now, is one of the most important that we've had. And it will continue to get more and more important because we're getting faced with more and more things. And we need to have the men that God wants for us, that God has called to serve us in the right places. And that goes from those that are, are, are teaching classes, cleaning the building, all the way up to the, to the staff, myself included, need to have the right people in the right spots. Not just concerned with getting everybody in. You know, you've always heard we've got to get everybody on the bus. Well, that's not good enough. We need to get everybody in the right seats on the bus. Because God is getting ready to do something. God is doing something. And can I tell you this? Not just in this church, but other churches. Because as I talk to pastors in the association, they all say the same thing. It has been the most difficult time in their ministry. But I'm going to tell you what they also say. While businesses are shutting down and everything like that, they say the people of God have been faithful through this whole thing. And shared with her report today. We literally just voted to spend $35,000 to replace our roof. And how are we doing that? We're not doing that by going to the bank and borrowing money. We're doing it because of the faithfulness of God's people. That's how we're doing things. 
Things are changing. And we need to have men that are like the sons of Issachar. David says that the sons of Issachar were special men because they knew the times and they knew what needed to be done. That's what we need to have as servant leaders in our church. Men that are committed to Jesus Christ. Men that have the conviction, biblical convictions, on how to live their lives. Men of competency and men of character. Not because I say that's what we need. Because God said that's what we need to have. That is what we should look for. Not only in in, in deacons, but all leaders of the church. And here's the thing. I, I talked to a couple of people this week about the qualifications for deacons, but you under... Just think about this. Please don't ever put pastors and deacons on a pedestal and look up to them because we are just people. Chad, Sandra, myself, all of the deacons, we are just people. That means that we make mistakes. And when you put us on pedestals, that just makes it easier for us to fall off. But quite frankly, those characteristics that were listed by Paul, what would happen in the church that if everybody sitting in the pew strived to meet those qualifications? As children of God, those saved by grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are all called to a higher standard. What would happen in our world if Christians started living with those characteristics? What would happen? What would happen to our church? Please keep that in mind. That yes, we are to look for the highest possible standards in choosing leaders. But we should expect the highest possible standard from each of us. Because that's what God's called us to. Now if God's doing something with you right now, don't leave this place without listening to Him. Don't leave this place without taking care of that business that God is telling you. As we sing this invitation hymn, this is your opportunity to get things right with God. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation number 447, Trust and Obey, page 447. Yeah.
Let's sing the second verse. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we Let's pray. Our dear gracious Heavenly Father, what an honor it is to come to you with our desires, our hopes, our wants, our dreams. And Lord, we also come to you to ask forgiveness of our sins. We know that we have failed you. And Rosanna has been an inspiration to all of us and a reminder that we too should be rededicating our lives. So Lord, I pray for Rosanna. I thank you for bringing her to our church building today. And I pray that we as the church 
will support her, pray for her, be there for her, and whatever whatever ways that she needs us, let her see you through us. Lord, I just pray that this church will seek your will in the deacon election. We know that this is not a popularity contest. We know that this is not politics. We know that this is something to be taken seriously, Lord, and that you will give any job in our church, any position anybody holds, that we'll take it seriously and that we will seek your will in whatever we do and that we will not let that fire burn out just as soon as we get on a committee, uh, that we will be on fire for you for the the for our whole lives. So, Lord, I just pray that others will see Crestview Baptist Church as that light on the hill where they can seek you and find you. Lead us and guide us throughout this week. For it is your holy name that we pray. Amen.